Well, welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We're brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. You're also going to want to follow us over on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, PredictorHQ. Today, our guest is Scott Kellen, who is the winner of the 2011 Cantor Football Showdown and the 2014 Golden Nugget Football Showdown. He's had winning seasons in 14 of his 17 years of betting football. So first of all, Scott, welcome. And first question I got to ask you, what's it like to always be right? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, glad to be here, Al, and thanks for having me on. And um, uh, it's a lot better to be right than wrong, I can tell you that. And uh, so, you know, obviously when we're winning and we've been fortunate enough over the years, uh, it's great and, and, and you love it. And, you know, in the few years when uh, you're not having those winning years, obviously it's not as fun. But uh, luckily we've enjoyed a whole lot more winning than losing. Absolutely. All right, so uh, I guess, you know, just to get this whole thing kicked off, uh, give the people a little bit of your background, uh, how you got into betting, and, uh, you know, where you've gone since. Yeah, you know, I, I got into it, I, I would guess, like so many other people. I remember sitting uh, in a chair in my uh, parents' living room. I was a teenager, and my brother walked by, and uh, uh, he told me about this parlay card, and, you know, you're like, what the hell's a parlay card? And uh, I kind of explained it, and you know, the, uh, uh, the allure of any parlay card is, you know, you, you bet $5 and you can win, you know, $30 or whatever the numbers are. And um, um, so that always sounded like a good thing. And so that kind of got me into it. And I remember that that first week, uh, my buddies and I bet some parlay cards. My buddy won, you know, a four out of four uh, parlay card and, uh, you know, thought this was the easiest thing in the world and uh, kind of got us going. But then, um, you know, over the years, uh, I started to follow some people who um, use situations, league like league-wide situations, uh, to kind of come up with the teams that they were going to bet on, and that kind of evolved. And I know we'll probably get into the model a, a little bit later, so I'll go into more detail then. But um, but that kind of got me going, and just using as a basis for my handicapping, just situational handicapping. But you know, as, as you know, the game evolves and analytics have kind of taken over. And so I'm trying to also evolve a little bit more into that as well. Um, but first and foremost, situations have really been the uh, the backbone uh, of everything I've done. And, and as we go along, I just try to, you know, I have started to try to incorporate a little bit more on the analytical side uh, of it as well. You're just doing football here right now, professional football, uh, not necessarily college football. So, you know, why is it just football? Do you absolutely hate other sports? Do you, do you watch other sports? How does that all shake out for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely watch all other sports. Uh, you know, I guess from a fortunate standpoint, uh, I have a job that actually pays me pretty well and keeps me pretty busy. So, nice. uh, and I've been doing that for the last, uh, I don't know, 15 years or so. So prior to that, I also did college football as well. Um, I've always found NFL to be the easiest sport for me. For a lot of people, it's kind of just the opposite of that. Uh, NFL, I think, is harder for most people. Yeah. Uh, they view you know college sports and whatnot to be easier. For whatever reason, it's kind of just been the opposite for me. But when I took that job that I'm currently in, uh, that just was a more demanding job. And I just felt I couldn't keep up with the 130-odd teams or whatever it was in college football at the time. So I kind of stuck what I did best, which was the NFL. Um, I, I did NCAA basketball tournaments as well, did some NBA playoffs at the time. But I've kind of just decided just to kind of do what you do best 
Uh, and for me, that's been the NFL and, uh, that's kind of what I've stuck to. And, you know, maybe some way, somewhere down the road, uh, if I find more time, I will look into other sports again as well. But, um, that's kind of why I'm only on the NFL over the last 15 years or so. You know, I find it very interesting now that we're right here in the heart of uh, fantasy football season. Everybody's doing their drafts and everything like that. Uh, you dabble it all into fantasy or is it just strictly betting for you? I mean, now um, what it is, it's mostly just a uh, family league. I'm actually going back okay. to Wisconsin uh, this weekend and okay. uh, doing that. But I used to dabble quite a bit uh, in, lay, in, in uh, leagues that were drafting here in Vegas. You know, you'd, you'd pony up a couple thousand bucks to get into it. I will say this. I think fantasy football, you know, put aside the DraftKings and all that kind of stuff that's obviously happening. But I think fantasy football helps your NFL or, or your betting, in this case, NFL betting, um, because it, it, it helps you focus more on players and personnel, if you will. Yep. Um, and it just it just keeps you in tune and focused, uh, I think, even that much more uh, with the game. So I think um, – I don't do it as much as I used to anymore, but I think, you know, for those people who are betting and, and want to get into fantasy football, I think the two can kind of go hand in hand. And, and again, you got all the DraftKings stuff and all that that obviously plays into this today. But I think just in your basic fantasy football leagues, I think it can help you from a betting standpoint as well. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because, you know, not only myself, but, you know, certain friends that I have, too, where, you know, a lot of these season long leagues are sort of, you know, kind of shifting away now that we've got DraftKings and you could, you know, create your own team every week as opposed to, you know, having to wait on that prize at the end of the season. Yeah, it, it is interesting how the two go hand in hand. I do feel like DFS probably helps more, you know, from the, you know, week to week aspect in terms of betting. But uh, absolutely, man. I, I just absolutely love any way that you can get your hands on betting football. That's uh, that's certainly the way to go. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and by the way, it's kind of like we're, we're live betting, in-game betting is kind of gone. You know, it's 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 like day trading, essentially, kind of like daily uh, or weekly fantasy as well. I agree. Uh, you've got a betting model that you talked about. Now's the time that uh, that we can talk about it. So uh, how how does that all work? And, uh, you know, what uh, what kind of approach do you take with that? Yeah, so uh, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm a what I would describe as a situational better first and foremost. And so, you know, back about 20 years ago, I was working at a job, and I remember walking by a computer one time, and there was this stuff on a computer, and I asked a buddy of mine, I'm like, well, what the heck is that? And he's like, oh, it's Microsoft Access, it's a database. I said, oh, okay. Short shortly after that, he actually hired me for a job that really helped you understand and how to program in, in Microsoft Access. So I did that for about three years until I really learned how to program databases because I had bought an NFL and college football and other sports databases prior to that, but I couldn't really do anything with them because I didn't, I didn't know how to use that data within the database. So I, I learned how to program databases, left that job, uh, and then went out and uh, programmed these databases, NFL, college football, et cetera. I wrote a book called The Unemotional Football Better back in, I think it was like 2003 or something. It's a pretty outdated book now, but it was 27 time-tested strategies that, that can work for you in NFL and college football. And that was kind of the start of using these situations. So, for example, like a situation that I'll use is playing on non-division home dogs of less than seven points who are off a road win, who are playing a road favorite who's coming off a home win. So the team won at home. They're not going on the road as a road favorite. Uh, the home team's coming home uh, off a road win. 
that situation since 1988 is 70 wins, 31 losses, and one tie. Wow. And so I'll just look at a lot of situations like that. I try to apply what I would call a Z factor just to make sure that the information I'm getting is uh, statistically sick, uh, significant. And and then you've got to be careful because if you, you, know, you set up too many parameters within that, you start to data mine and what you're getting is something that could look very good. But it's just going to regress and you probably really don't have anything uh, really at all. So the higher sample size with the fewer parameters gives you the greater likelihood that whatever you're using is going to continue to work for you. So that has always been the backbone of what I've done. But then, you know, I also try to take a look and create a line for every game, obviously, and I still want to have value in the game. So if, if that situation, you know, that I'm using says to take team A uh, and they're favored by seven, but my numbers say, hey, look, they're only favored. They should only be favored by four. Even though the situation's great, I'm probably not playing that team. I, rarely will I ever go against the situations, but I'm not necessarily going to play on a team just because the situation's there unless there's value there. And so I've tried to develop those models uh, in terms of creating a spread. I think that's obviously very important to do. And I'll play plenty of games where I just think there's value and there's no situations. And then, of course, I'll play plenty of games where we've got great situations uh, that have worked forever and ever. And now the game, of course, is evolving uh, where analytics are a huge part of this. So I'm trying to get more and more involved in that. Uh, I still have a long ways to go in that regard. But you know, you've always got to be changing. And uh, so from that respect, I'm just trying to get a little bit more involved in that part of it as well to kind of add to it, to what I'm doing already. So I am also a writer myself. So whenever we have guys that write books that come on the podcast, I got to selfishly ask the question, do, did you enjoy that whole process? What was it like? If you haven't uh, written anything since then, any, any plans to, to write anything else? Uh, let's take the ladder at the uh, end there. I haven't okay. written anything since then. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, it, it's kind of a tricky situation. You want to put something out there that provides value for people, certainly. Right. Uh, you don't want to give them just garbage. Um, but then also, uh, you know, you don't want to put too much out there that just uh, ends up hurting what you're trying to do and, and trying to provide for others as well. So that's that's always a fair that's a, it's a trade off that I always kind of wrestle with now. Um, but I did enjoy the process because it, it really everything I put in that book, I felt, you know, how to be on the up and up and accurate as, as, as much as it could possibly be. So it forced me to really work hard to make sure, you know, everything I was doing was uh, correct mathematically, et cetera, et cetera. So I enjoyed it. You know, I kind of self-published it myself. And uh, obviously I wouldn't go that route today if I did it, but it, it, it was interesting. I'll tell you what I love doing. You know, I'll, I'll get the opportunity to post articles in uh, like the Vegas paper and, and different things here. And I always find it interesting to send them over what I have and then actually read the copy that they put in print how they clean up my English and make my English a lot better than <laughs> yeah. it is. So I always think that's kind of a, a, a cool thing too. So nice. All right. So we are talking with Scott Kellen, who's a winner of the uh, 2011 Canner football showdown, 2014 golden nugget football showdown, uh, winning seasons in 14 of his 17 years of betting football. Uh, if you want to find him on Twitter, you can find him at six cents NFL. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the actual betting market. Um, what type of outlook do you see? Uh, here for betters and handicappers alike, and you know what what kind of opportunities does that present for you? Well, the betting market here in the USA obviously is exploding, right. and uh, you know we're probably within five years of having uh, you know forty six to forty eight states probably have it approved, uh, give or take. So you know what what that's doing is is you know living here in Nevada, it's it's interesting because Nevada has always had pretty strict rules on what they allow. 
And where that challenge is going to come for them now, you've got states like New Jersey, et cetera, opening up uh, these big betting markets and being very much, uh, very more uh, flexible and liberal in, in terms of the type of bets that they offer. You know, that's on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast. It may not challenge Nevada a ton right now, but as the California markets come in in, in, in states like that around here, uh, if they start to offer a lot more opportunities than kind of what Vegas offers, number one, it'll just, it'll just be interesting to see um, how Vegas reacts to that and if they they kind of free that up a little bit or if they stay kind of kind of strict. So that's one thing. But, you know, whether Nevada does or not, the, the great thing that we're seeing here is you've seen a lot of different types of opportunities that maybe rival more of what you would see offshore uh, now coming to the U.S. market. And obviously, it's, it's bringing a whole lot uh, more players into it, this space as well. Some obviously very, very new in this whole space. So you're just getting a larger volume of betters as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, where obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the in-game betting is becoming huge. I think I don't know what it's like, like in the Australias of the world, but in Europe, you know, from what I've heard, uh, they get more bets on the in-game than they do on the uh, at the start of the game wow. uh, on the whole game. So, uh, and that whole market is evolving here and will continue to evolve. And then you're seeing things like uh, player props and stuff, uh, where you know, if you can build a good model from that standpoint, that might really be your next huge opportunity in this betting market as well, as more and more books open up and offer more and more opportunities around player props. You're probably always going to have limit issues around those types of bets, but um, I think player props is another area uh, where the betting is going to explode here in the next few years as well. Sure. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Now, when you see a certain, I don't know, certain odds are favoring uh, a certain prop, like let's say uh, Drew Brees is minus 155 to throw, you know, over two and a half touchdowns. Does your model factor that in or is that something that it does not? It doesn't really, but I'm, I think you have to take a hard look at it, though. I mean, the the markets aren't always right, of course, but um, but the markets have a sense, obviously. And you know, if you're leaning one way and you're seeing you know a player prop like that that's kind of leaning the other way, I think at the very least you've got to ask the question: it, What am I missing here? Am I missing anything? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're 100% right and the market's just wrong. Uh, but I think you have to pay attention to that a little bit just to make sure that you're not missing something on your end. That you've completely overlooked all right let's talk about now you mentioned this earlier uh here in the podcast and we're kind of going to get into current day nfl here to close out you know we talked about the rule changes and how that's affecting the game how is that necessarily affecting your model and could you give us maybe a particular example of that as well well i think you know obviously you get the big rule change this year with the whole pass interference that stuff that can be challenged and that's oh, a <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's a huge one, right? I mean, you're talking 50, 60 yard penalties. Um, you know, I, I sit with a buddy and have for the last eight or nine years. In every, every week, he says the reps control. You know, they have the greatest factor uh, in terms of an outcome of this game. Uh, if 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 it goes that way, right? Not not all games go that way, but especially on pass interference. So you've got that. You've got you know from a few years ago where you know the the kickoffs. Uh, if you don't bring it out and, and whatnot, you start at the 25 rather than the 20-yard line, uh, things like that. And I may not be 100% correct in this, but I don't really factor too much of that in because I've got a model that is going to try to provide where the value is in the game. And those models are typically going to kick in in, in weeks four, five, six, and so on. Okay. So if the rule changes have started to drastically change some of that stuff, 
Um, some of that's going to already kind of get picked up in the current year numbers as it is. But there are certain things, again, like this pass interference thing. I mean, you know, I guess I'd say this with the pass interference thing. You'd hope that at least they get those calls right that they can reverse. But, you know, we've, we've even seen that maybe not be the case. But but I, I haven't made too many adjustments on that stuff. I kind of let the model take those numbers into account. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward if, if, if I need to look at that a little bit closer or not. All right, let's, uh, let's play a little bit of the future game here with, uh, with this upcoming NFL season. Obviously, the, the big news of the week, uh, Andrew Luck retiring. Uh, have you seen what that has done to the Colts uh, over under win total yet? And, you know, I, I guess from a personal aspect, do you think that the Colts can still win the uh, AFC South? Well, it certainly affected them. You know, they were sitting around, give or take, nine and a half wins on the over-under. And uh, they're now at, uh, I know like at the Westgate here, I think they're seven and a half over minus 130. So call it about 7.8 wins. So it obviously has affected that. Jacksonville went from, uh, I think, seven and a half over uh, to eight now. Uh, and Houston went from eight to eight and a half. So, it's, you know, obviously, clearly it's affected other teams as well. Um, can, can they win the division? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. First of all, I mean, all those teams could go eight and eight in that division. Uh, they're all, you know, they're all pretty, pretty well balanced, but here's the thing. Jacoby Brissett, uh, you know, he played in 2017. I don't know what the Colts record was in four and 12 or something, but that was a team that was kind of off the heels of some of those Peyton Manning teams where you had the great quarterback. And, and then it was, of course, Andrew Luck, um, some good receivers, a horrible offensive line, just a horrible defense as a whole. Um, and when you lost, you know, your one great player, then the, the team was just awful. But they've actually done a pretty good job of building that team up now. You know, they, they invested in the offensive line last year. So that offensive line is pretty decent now. Uh, a lot of this is maybe a factor of just luck, but he was not sacked hardly at all last year. So the offensive line is very good. And that defense has improved greatly. You got Jacoby Brissett, who sat, he played for that, that one year, I think it was in 2017. So he had a full year's experience. He's better. So if Jacoby Brissett is a just serviceable, I think this team's got enough. And then throwing on top of that, you got Frank Reich, the coach. He's a phenomenal coach. So um, good coaching and a much better structure in place now around the quarterback. And again, t- other teams in that division that are not going to set the world on fire. I think they absolutely have a chance to win that division yet. Yeah, great. I mean, they made some just unbelievable moves this offseason. And, you know, I don't think that you can necessarily count them out altogether. But certainly with the rest of that division and, you know, Deshaun Watson's health could always be in limbo there with the amount of times that he's getting hit. Uh, Certainly going to be an interesting run once again there in the AFC South. All right. So we take it from the middle of the in the middle of the AFC to the cream of the crop in the AFC. Uh, We got David Andrews, who just uh, was hospitalized with that blood clot in his lungs yesterday. Just a uh, just a really bad break. Very scary thing, you know, personally, from a health aspect. Um, If he can't play this year, how much trouble are the Patriots going to be in? Well, I mean, it's an impact. He's he's a center. He's the quarterback of that offensive line. Um, So I think we'd be foolish to say it's not going to have an impact on him. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still Belichick. It's still Brady. Um, you know, and, and the guys like Brady and the system that they run uh, in the past, you know, there was years where Aaron Rodgers' offensive line wasn't that good. Um, you know, even a Peyton Manning maybe didn't have a great offensive line sometimes or, or even luck early on. Um, but 
a lot of times it's it's the quarterback in the system that you run that can kind of help protect you against a bad offensive line. So if this does end up having a little bit of a ne- negative impact on them, uh, there's still some things there, obviously, as we all know, um, where they can kind of overcome some of that. And then you add that they're, they're playing in this division that just, you know, has not been real good for a number of years. Yeah. So with all due respect to New England, they're a the great team, and uh, those guys have done a great job. They don't have the hardest uh, roadmap to winning that division. You win that division, you potentially get a bye. Uh, you know, you, you potentially um, have home field advantage as well. Where this team has struggled even, you know, all these years that they've been good is when they go on the road and face a, an above-average defense. It, it's the one time if you start to look at their numbers where their numbers are not as good. Um, and keep in mind, this is a team – since 2000, 2001, that's covered the spread 60% of the time under Belichick and Brady, which is just phenomenal. But when you look at their schedule, they don't play a ton of good defensive teams on the road this year either. So, yeah, I think it's going to have some impact just because of the nature of, of that position and whatnot and how important it is. But I think they've got another uh, enough other things in place that can overcome, you know, most of those types of obstacles for them. Yeah, it's interesting when we talk about, you know, oh, how much trouble are the Patriots in? Well, as we all know, it's raise that trophy or bust for them each year. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess trouble is maybe like a second round, uh, you know, playoff exit or something like that. But yeah, it, trouble is a, is a different word there for the Patriots compared to most other teams. All right, let us, uh, let's wrap it up here. We've got just a couple more questions left. Um, let's talk about the upcoming season again. Uh, give me a couple teams that you think could make a big jump this year and also a couple teams that could uh, just, you know, completely slide right down the mountain. Yeah, so I would look at a team, um, a team like Jacksonville. So Jacksonville uh, won five less games last year than they had won the previous season. So kind of just using that as a basis, just taking a look at teams who won or lost five more games in their previous season. Um, so they are just kind of just naturally due to, to kind of bounce back a little bit. Of course, they get Nick Foles in there as well, which will help them. And now you've got the whole Colts thing uh, with no Andrew Luck. That probably helps them a little bit as well. They were 2-6 and six in close games, uh, decided by seven points or less uh, last year. Uh, so, again, that stuff typically has a chance to regress to the mean as well. They're going to get some of their offensive linemen who were uh, kind of decimated last year back as well. And they only had six games uh, against teams projected to be over 500 this year. And two of those were the Colts. Um, I guess you could slide Houston in there maybe now because they're now at eight and a half wins. But um, they just don't have a real, real tough schedule uh, as well. So we know it's a pretty good defense as a whole. Uh, you got a hopefully a functional quarterback as well. Hopefully they get a little bit better luck. Um, in the close games this year. So their team, I think, could bounce back a little bit. Uh, Minnesota, kind of a team like that as well. Again, they won five less games last year than the year before. Their only real problem is uh, they were one and six straight up against uh, above 500 teams. And that's kind of been Kirk Cousins' uh, kind of nature. But that is a team that could possibly bounce back. And then I would say on the downside, uh, I think Houston's one team that could take a drop. They won seven more games last year than the year before. They've got the fourth toughest schedule. They lost a couple key people in the secondary, Kareem Jackson uh, uh, and and Mathau. The offensive line is still absolutely horrible. They've got eight games against teams uh, scheduled to be above 500. And there's another six games against the likes of the Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville, Carolina, Denver, all teams who are very capable of beating Houston. 
and they were only three and five straight up against teams above 500 last year. That bad offensive line continues to look bad. And as you said earlier, Al, uh, you know, Watson could be running for his life. I think that that's a team that could regress here a little bit as well. Um, and then one other one I would say that could potentially regress as well. I would say the Dallas Cowboys. They were 10 and six last year. Um, I use something called the uh, Pythagorean theorem, which kind of looks at teams points scored and against to try to give a true read of what they should have been. Based on that, they should have only won about 8.4 games last year. They won 10, and they were 8-2 and two in close games. That's not likely to continue for them again. If they have 10 close games, they're not likely to win eight of those. Um, so I think under nine wins is, is an opportunity to go uh, against them as well. Interesting. Very interesting. I, uh, I live here in the Jersey area, so got a lot of cowboy friend uh, fans or cowboy fan friends, unfortunately. So I'll be I'll be very happy to tell them all about that. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, who? All right. So who do you like uh, at the end of the year to match up in the uh, in the Super Bowl? Um, you know, I'm not big on doing that, but I okay. would say last year I said Rams Chargers. Um, so you look at the AFC and, you know, the AFC doesn't have a ton of teams. You've got Kansas City, Chargers, New England, clearly, you know, maybe Pittsburgh could be kind of sneaky this year. Um, so I would look at it. You got to say New England, obviously, is a choice. I mean, I think you'd, you'd be an idiot to not say that. Um, but the other team, I'll go right back and say the Chargers again is, a, is another team I think that could come out of there. And then uh, in the East. I'm actually. I think the Rams will regress backwards a little bit this year, and, and those teams in that division, the 49ers, can be better and give them a little bit uh, more trouble this year as well. So I think a team like Philadelphia, who kind of added a little bit on the offensive side, you got to hope Carson Wentz stays healthy. Of course, uh, I mean that could always be a problem. Um, but short of that, I think Philadelphia is a team that could come back. So maybe a Philly New England repeat or a Philly uh, Chargers Super Bowl uh, is something that I could see. All right, very interesting. All right, so our guest today was Scott Kellen. Uh, find him on Twitter at Sixth Sense NFL. Uh, can you uh, give the people a little bit of a breakdown on what you'll be doing for uh, SportsPredictor.com? Yeah, so uh, glad to be a part of that, and really appreciate you guys uh, asking me to do that. So. Um, you know, I, what I do every week is uh, I do write-ups in every single game, very lengthy write-ups. So I, what I would say is, you know, you, you can you can work with me to obviously get predictions on uh, and best bets every week. Uh, and if you want to just follow those blindly, absolutely. The record's been good. I think, it, you know, it, it's a good way to go. But also a lot of people, they, they'll use just the write-ups and just take the write-ups. They do their own handicapping to a degree, uh, and they'll take those uh, lengthy write-ups in each game. And, and, and look at those and try to incorporate that into their own handicapping as well to make sure that maybe they didn't miss something. Um, so, you know, depending on how you want to use that information, I think it's very valuable. Like I said, every bet that I have for the most part is either going to have value or some time-tested strategies uh, applied to it. And, you know, you might be on another team and, and I've got some great strategies on, on, on the opposite side. You might just use that to help you. The write-ups, I think, are very invaluable. And then, like I said, if you want to just blindly follow the best bets, Absolutely. We've had a good record and hopefully that'll continue. But uh, looking forward to working with you guys. I love doing the write-ups and I do the write-ups, quite frankly, because it forces me to look at every game in detail and and, and hopefully not miss anything. Uh, if I didn't have the write-ups, you know, like just reality, I'd probably slack on it a little bit. So it forces me to really do my due diligence in every single game. And, and the readers over the years have loved this stuff as well. Excellent. Well, you know, you got one future reader for sure. And myself, uh, I absolutely love those game by game breakdowns. I figure that's the only way that you could look at NFL each week. We only get one game a week, so we got to make all of the time that we got 
uh, necessary for it. All right, so we thank uh, Scott for coming on the pod today. Once again, folks, sportspredictor.com is where you're going to find all of Scott's info and all the other great guys that we got working with us. Uh, once again, you follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Scott, thank you once again for coming on. You got it. Thanks, Al. Good luck this year. Thank you. You as well. All right, folks, we will see you next time.